Good evening, church family. This is our um, Bible study for the Wednesday evening on the week leading up to Easter. This is a time of year that people often refer to as Holy Week. Uh, We focus our attention on the events of the last week of Jesus leading up to his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. Last Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, was Palm Sunday. And uh, perhaps you had even been reading through the events of the last week of Jesus' life this week. I wanted to take uh, a break tonight from our study of Philippians and uh, focus our attention on one particular saying uh, from that last week of Jesus, something he said when he was, he was with his disciples at uh, the Last Supper, the last meal he shared with his disciples, which of course became what we call the Lord's Supper. And at that meal, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 20, uh, Luke tells us that um, this is after Jesus has taken the bread and said, um, this bread is my body. Uh, he says in verse 20, it says, Likewise, Jesus took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, um, I want to focus attention, um, our attention this evening on that saying, and particularly uh, what he means by the new covenant and how uh, that has, how, what the new covenant has to do with his death. What does he mean that it's the new covenant in his blood? Now, covenants are not something that we tend to think about a whole lot, but they're extremely important in the Bible. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at three of the most important covenants in the Bible. There are others, and, um, and I'm leaving out an important one, uh, the Davidic covenant, God's covenant with David. We're going to look at three of the most important ones, and, and those are the covenant with Abraham, the covenant God made with Israel through Moses, and the new covenant that Jesus speaks of here. And I want to show you how all three of those are resolved in one way or another at the cross. So three covenants and the cross. That's what we're looking at tonight. So uh, the first covenant that uh, I want us to talk about is the covenant God made with Abraham. Remember back in Genesis chapter 12 when God called God called Abraham, he promised him three things. He promised him land and seed or offspring and blessing. And he didn't just promise to bless Abraham. He promised Abraham that through him, he would bless all the families of the earth. In other words, Abraham was the man God chose to restore his blessing upon creation in the world after the fall. So with the fall of Adam and Eve into sin came the curse. But through Abraham, God is going to restore his blessing to the world, not just to Abraham's family, not even just to the Jewish people who come from Abraham, but to all the families of the earth. Then in Genesis 15, uh, God makes a covenant with Abraham. Abraham is uh, wrestling with the promises that God has made to him uh, about offspring and land. God 
reasserts uh, uh, those promises. He tells that's where he tells Abraham to look up at the stars and to number them if it's possible for him to. And he says, "Your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the heavens." And that's the, uh, where the famous verse is found, Genesis fifteen six, where it says, "Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness." And it's in that same chapter that God makes a covenant with Abraham. He tells Abraham to get some animals um, and uh, cut them in half. Um, and he, he says, this is Genesis fifteen nine. He says, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And it says, he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So there were these animals that were slaughtered or sacrificed um, as part of this covenant ceremony that Abraham is going to observe uh, and that God is going to enact. So um, God causes a deep sleep to fall upon Abraham and tells him about the the exodus and and whatnot that's coming. And then he says... um, that he's going to bring his people back into the promised land after their sojourn in Egypt. And then it says in verse 17, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, the pieces of the animals that Abraham had slaughtered. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, and then he names some of the people that live in the land. So God makes this covenant, this binding agreement, um, where he essentially swears to Abraham that he will fulfill his promises, in particular the promise of bringing his offspring into the land. So the thing I want you to notice there is that God makes this covenant with Abraham and it involves the shedding of blood. It involves the slaughter of these animals. And this covenant uh, includes a set of promises that God assures Abraham he will keep. Um, The uh, scholars tell us that the significance of the animals that were slaughtered uh, for this covenant ceremony are, it's a way of saying, let this happen to me if I don't keep my part of the covenant. If I don't keep my part of the covenant, let me be slaughtered. Let me be sacrificed like these animals. And so God himself, in a, a, what we call a theophany, an, an appearance of God in creation through this smoking fire pot and flaming torch that Abraham sees, God himself passes between the parts of the animals that have been sacrificed in order to say, I'm taking upon myself this oath, this covenant to guarantee that I will do this for you. I will bring your people, your offspring into this land that I have promised you. And so God makes that covenant with Abraham. And that covenant drives the story. Even into the book of Exodus, God is bringing the people of Israel out of bondage to slavery in Egypt in fulfillment of the promise God made to Abraham. But then he makes another covenant, this time in Exodus 19 uh, through chapter 24, when he brings the Israelites out of Egypt and he um, brings them through the Red Sea and brings them up to Mount Sinai where he meets with them, where he speaks to them. 
Uh, there in Genesis 19, God invites the nation to enter into a covenant with him. And so he tells Moses to tell them in Exodus 19, uh, verse 4 and 5, he says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And then verse 6, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So what Israel is being called upon to do there is to say to God, We will do what you say. We will obey you. We will keep your commandments. That's our side of the covenant. And if they keep their side of the covenant, then they will be God's treasured possession. There'll be a kingdom of priests to God. And so Moses brings this message to the people. The people say, yes, we will obey. And then God speaks to them from Mount Sinai, giving them the Ten Commandments. Those, those ten words, sometimes they're called the Ten Commandments, God speaks not to Moses to tell Israel, but He speaks directly to Israel. And then uh, He gives another, uh, a, an extended set of laws in chapters 20 and 20, or excuse me, 21 and 22 and 23, um, that He does give to Moses to tell to the people. Moses writes them down in a book reads them to the people, um, and it says, this is now in chapter 24 of Exodus, uh, it says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. This is what God called them to do in chapter 19, and they're reaffirming it in chapter 24. Now that we've heard what you want us to do, we still say we will do what you say. We will keep your commandments. And verse 4 says, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, and verse 5 says, he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And notice what he did with the blood from those sacrifices, from those animals. Verse 6 says, Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant, so that's where he's written down all these laws, all these commandments that God has just spoken to Israel and to him, which he then delivered to Israel. He took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. So once again, they affirm, we've heard what God expects of us and we say that we will do it. Then in verse 8, it says, and Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So here again we have a covenant that God is making with his people, just like he did with Abraham. Animals are sacrificed as a part of the ceremony sealing this covenant. In this instance, the people agree to obey the Lord, and then they are sprinkled with the blood of these sacrifices, and that uh, somehow seals and solemnizes this agreement that they have entered into with the Lord. So they make this covenant and say that they will obey. 
Now, of course, we know that they didn't obey. They weren't able to obey. They often sinned against the Lord, rebelled against the Lord. They were uh, punished. They had enemies uh, overrun them. They were taken into exile. So where is all this leading? Uh, Where is all this heading? Well, in the New Testament book of Galatians, we get an explanation for how these covenants are resolved in the cross. So we're going to look at how the uh, covenant with Abraham and the covenant with Moses are resolved in the cross, and then we'll go to the new covenant. So in Genesis chapter 3, Uh, Paul says that we are saved, we're declared righteous before God, the same way that Abraham was. Just like Abraham heard God's promise and believed, and because he believed it, it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, Galatians 3, 6 says that's the same way it is with us, that we are justified by faith. We're counted righteous when we believe God's promise, just like Abraham did, only now we have more to believe than Abraham did. We have uh, the promises associated with Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and so on. We believe in Christ, uh, just as Abraham was looking forward to the coming of Christ. Now, um, he says next that, um, let's skip down down to verse 10, he explains why it has to be by faith and not by works that we are made right with God. And he says, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So now Paul is talking, he's been talking about Abraham. Now he's talking about the covenant that God made with Israel through Moses, the Mosaic covenant, the old covenant we've just been talking about with the law. That's what he's talking to about there in reference to the book of the law. The law in the old covenant says, if you don't do everything that the law says, you're under a curse. And uh, that's all of us, right? None of us are able to keep the the law perfectly or fully or completely. Uh, But there's good news. Paul says in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so everyone who doesn't keep the law is under a curse paul says but the good news is jesus came to take that curse for us on the cross even the law says that anyone any man who's hanged on a tree is cursed jesus was hung on a cross on a tree Uh, in his death as he took our place, taking our sins upon himself. And not only was he taking our sin, but he was taking the curse that our sins deserved in our place. So the curses, the judgments of the old covenant are resolved in Jesus' death on the cross. And by taking the curse for us, he then opens the way for the blessing that God promised to give to all the earth through the family of Abraham to now come even to the Gentiles. So the next thing he says after he says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law is verse 14, so that, so he took the curse of the law on the cross, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So the blessing that God promised to Abraham that would then 
go to all the nations, all the families of the earth, all the peoples, which, by the way, back up in verse 8, he says that that blessing is um, the blessing of righteousness before God, of justification, of salvation. He says, The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations, <clears throat> in you shall all the nations be blessed. Excuse me. Um, so the way that all the nations are blessed is that in Christ they are made right with God. They're justified. They're forgiven of their sin. They're counted righteous in Jesus. They now have a righteous standing uh, before God. And Paul says that blessing comes even to the Gentiles through the death of Jesus, where he removes the curse that comes upon us for our, uh, our failure to keep the law of the old covenant. And by removing that obstacle of the curse, now here flows to us again in Christ on account of his death and resurrection, the blessing that God promised to Abraham that would flow through him to all the nations, it has come to us in Christ. And Paul continues to to follow that train of thought through the rest of chapter 3. We can't go through all of it this evening, but um, he continues to show how um, the the relationship between the old covenant and the covenant with Abraham and how the promises to Abraham are fulfilled in Christ and how even the law served a role in preparing the way for the coming of Christ and the coming of faith. So the promises to Abraham, the covenant with Abraham, and the covenant with Israel through Moses, both of those are resolved in the cross. But we still haven't talked about the new covenant. Neither one of those is the covenant that Jesus was speaking of when he said in Luke twenty two twenty, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, there's a sense in which I think the new covenant is really the fulfillment or an extension of the Abrahamic covenant, but we'll leave that aside for now. I just want to talk about what the new covenant is and what it means that Jesus' blood secures for us the new covenant. The new covenant is also a set of promises that we find in the Old Testament. Uh, We find it particularly in Jeremiah 31. It's also spoken of by Ezekiel in chapter 36. Um, It is a set of promises that God was preparing his people for in the Old Testament that is now again, fulfilled in Jesus and the New Testament through his death and resurrection. Here's what God says about the new covenant. This is Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So, so far he's saying, I'm going to make a new covenant with the people of Israel, not like the covenant I made through Moses, the covenant I made with them when I brought them out of Egypt, the one we looked at in Exodus 19 to 24. It's not going to be like that covenant. They broke that covenant. Even though I was faithful to them, I was like a husband to them, but they were not faithful to me. They broke that covenant. So I'm going to make a new covenant with them. That old covenant, remember, was uh, based on Israel's uh, assertion that they would obey what God said. 
they weren't able to keep it, right? The covenant was broken. What's this new covenant going to be like? Verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So the new covenant, the new covenant is a set of promises that God makes where he says, okay, my people, they they didn't keep the old covenant. They didn't keep the law. They broke my covenant. They broke my commandments. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write my law on their hearts. The way Ezekiel says it in Ezekiel 36 is he's going to give us a new heart. He's going to remove our heart of stone, give us a heart of flesh, and put his spirit within us. Uh, The way Jeremiah says it is he's going to write his law on our hearts. And he says he's going to be our God. We're going to be in fellowship with him. He's going to identify himself with us, identify us as his people. He says... Everyone who's a member of the new covenant is going to know the Lord. Uh, You're not going to have to, uh, like with the nation of Israel, it was sort of a mixed people. Some of the Jews were faithful and trusted God, and some of them didn't. Some of them were uh, unbelievers. But with the new covenant, everyone in the new covenant is going to know the Lord. From the least to the greatest, he says. And then he says, I am going to forgive their iniquity and Uh, remember their sin no more. So when Jesus sits down with his disciples at the Last Supper to eat that Passover meal with his disciples, and he takes that cup and says, this is the new covenant in my blood, he's recalling those covenants from the Old Testament where blood was a significant part of what sealed those covenants. Remember the animals slaughtered for the covenant with Abraham, the animals sacrificed and the blood sprinkled on the nation of Israel uh, in the covenant God made with them through Moses. In the new covenant, the blood that is shed so that these promises are sealed and secured for us is the blood of Jesus himself. So he takes that cup and says, this cup represents my blood, which I'm about to shed, so that the new covenant promises will be sealed and secured for you, so that your sin will be forgiven, so that you will know the Lord, so that God will be your God and you will belong to Him as His people, so that His law will be written upon your hearts, so that the Holy Spirit will come to dwell inside of you and enable you to keep the law. That is what Jesus was talking about when he said those words to his disciples. And that is what Jesus was accomplishing when he went to the cross. He removed the curse that came upon all who couldn't keep the old covenant. He opened up the way for the blessing God promised in the covenant with Abraham to flow to all the nations, not just the Jews, but Gentiles as well. And he shed his blood so that we might belong to God and have our sins forgiven. That is why we spend a whole week thinking about 
what was about to happen in Jesus' death and resurrection. That is why the death and resurrection of Jesus are central to our faith, central to our belief, central to our preaching. This is what we believe. This is the message that we spread. This is the good news that gives us hope, that promises us life and forgiveness with God forever because of what Jesus has done for us.